today, my guest is John Dwyer from OCs, who are a band from California. And I'm talking to John at the moment in lockdown over Zoom. And you've had a pretty busy lockdown, which is uh, kind of an interesting thing to manage as a band. You know, everyone's locked down and it's not, no shows are going on or anything like that. But you've done a couple of shows that have been like really high production value, well recorded shows. I wondered if you wanted to tell me a little bit about how those have gone. Yeah, I mean, um, much like the label, we have a kind of in-house uh, recording group of people for visual and audio. So we used Enrique Tenya Padilla, who's the guy who uh, produced uh, our last four records, came there and did the live sound. And then me and him mixed it at my house. Uh, just to Pro Tools. We used to drag out a tape machine, but nobody has time for that shit right now. And then uh, for the video, we use uh, this guy, Brandon Kelly, who's a cinematographer here, who's worked with us a few times. And Brian Lee Hughes, who's the director, who I've been working with. I mean, he started Castle Face with me and he, he shot uh, The Hounds of Foggy Notion, for instance. So he's been working with me visually for a long time. And I think it just boiled down to, we wanted something to do initially and we had the offer from Levitation and um, I figured it'd be like a good thing to do for uh, the fans too, you know, because everybody's kind of doing the same. I mean, even we are too. Everybody's doing the same fucking thing every day. It's just all blurring together. Like, just sort of give one hour of some sort of semblance of normal life feels pretty good. I like to try and link my podcast together a little bit. And I interviewed a few months ago uh, a guy called Stuart Stubbs, who's the founding editor of Loud and Quiet magazine. Um, I've got a copy here and there's we've got Panther Rotate which is your most recent album and we've also got um, Bridget Dawson and the Mother's Network Bridget used to be in your band um, she's worked on almost every record with me since she's been in the band too she's only not been on like three albums yeah and that's kind of an interesting thing to me because I you know you're known for you've got something like 23 albums now and you're known for being I really know. yeah I think it might even be more than that frankly but I, I'm scared to look yeah, you lost count because you changed your name a lot as well. The band name has been lots of variations around the OCs and the members change. And is it the band members changing that comes before the name or is it the other way around? And also, how does the sound that you go for link in with those things? Um, none of that, really. You know, like the <laughs> band name thing is just us having fun, mostly at the expense of critics who like to complain about it. Like I probably wouldn't have changed the name as much if people hadn't griped about it so much on their blogs. So now I just do it to fucking irritate them and to have a little laugh about it at the space. But, um, yeah, it doesn't really, I mean, if, if it was just happenstance that it lined up with any sort of, um, change in, in personnel or anything. I mean, I've had the same band for a while now and we've done the name change probably four times. Um, I can't really see changing it anymore. We'll break that news here because there's not much more letters I could cut out of the name. Yeah, uh, There was, I guess like OCS, you know, would gear more towards the mellowest stuff with me and Bridget, you know, so there was some, some threads there, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even, I think we did like six releases this year or five. I'm not even sure. Because I, I remember when you first came out with your solo project, Damage Bug, I remember thinking, how have you got time to be doing a side project? When I don't, you seem I don't to be do doing anything that? else, man. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Just sitting at home. And especially right now, you know, I, had, I just sewed up everything that was um, half cooked. You know, I would, I rarely have projects uh, uh, sitting around unfinished, you know, but it just, 
it was just like dumb luck that this year I had a bunch of shit sitting around that I hadn't quite finished yet because we'd been touring and some of the stuff was like improv improvised sessions that I needed to really sit with and, and edit and, and add more stuff to or whatever. So, you know, um, this it just landed at the perfect time for me to have an ass load of work to put out, you know, kept me busy and kept the wolf from the door for a few months there. Yeah. Now I'm pretty much done and I'm drawing a lot. So it's actually good that you say that. Cause I wanted to talk about the like visual style of the band. I know that you do some of the artwork, for your records but you don't use the same artists all the time um, and I wanted you to tell me a little bit about what you look for in a piece of album artwork and who you know who does them and how you come to that because you've got a really distinct style as a band and you've got like all of your albums you could like oh yeah that looks like something the OCs would same thing with sound like this fantastical uh, visual thing I mean sometimes it'll be as simple as Matt my partner at the label Matt Jones will uh send me something on the internet and be like, this person's awesome. You know, um, occasionally I reach out to artists. That's how we found out about, I think Johnny Negron who did drop and, um, the OCS, uh, memory of a cutoff head LP, uh, like a crazy marker artist from Austin, Texas. And, um, yeah, I mean, just sometimes word of mouth. We've had, we've had people that we've worked with on and off throughout the years as well. Like, uh, Kyle Ranson, who did Warm Slime, and then the Tarot. He did the deck of Tarot cards that came with a Damaged Bug 7-inch. So, you know, back and forth. And uh, now, most recently, I've been working with this guy, Dylan McConnell, who's a Canadian kid who we met on the internet. I don't even remember, honestly, that I don't remember how we found him. I think it was one of those things where we were, like, looking around on the internet for, like, sort of fantastical sci-fi airbrush artists, because I love that shit. And uh, he is very easy to work with. He's uh, like versatile and he takes good direction and he's fast. I feel like right now in particular, like we just released a poster with him because he's just also sitting on his hands right now waiting for things to open up again. So, um, I mean, a lot of the stuff we've worked on with him too has been me just going through his back catalog of unused stuff. And I'll be like, oh, this is great. So like sometimes... He's the rare bird where I would find a piece of his art that suits our record without me having to interject anything at all. You know, like the Witch Egg record cover he did. And I saw that aside from any idea and I was like, oh, it's fucking perfect. So it's just, uh, yeah, anybody who wants to send us art, I'll always look at art. I've met some artists through people just emailing the website too, you know. Something as well that really stands out as a very OCs thing to do is have quite an unusual title for your songs. Um, like something like Nightcrawler. song that sounds like it's title it sounds like something crawling through yeah the yeah for sure Did a night crawler here is actually just a massive earthworm it's um they come out <laughs> at night and you use them on the east coast where i grew up they're disgusting you know i mean if you don't like worms i guess but they're like yeah. they're big and they're fat and uh they weren't very good for fishing i can't really remember but i remember like at night if it rained you could go out outside and like stomp on the ground and they would come up from the vibration in a sort of like horror movie and they're just massive worms yeah all right the name the name nightcrawler is really more terrifying than the actuality of what it is but you got stuff in there called like encrypted bounce 
cadaver dog and gelatinous cube and things like that, which... I mean, those are all things, you know, the uh, cadaver dog <laughs> is about, not necessarily the song being about it, but a cadaver dog is a dog that's trained to find bodies and rubble. So like after an earthquake or a bombing or whatever. Yeah. And when I read about stuff like that, I'm always like, uh, nothing, sometimes our actual world is so much weirder than anything you could imagine. The fact that we've had to train dogs to find bodies is a crazy thing to me. I have a dog, you know, and I'm sure he would be very good at it if uh, <laughs> there was somebody had a pork chop in their pocket when the, uh, when the, when the bomb hit. But, um, you know, gelatinous cube is from Dungeons and Dragons. It's a creature that's a transparent thing that fills a room or hallway that you walk into and it devours you. Just cool shit like that. Because you know? I always thought it was just you taking two words that you like the sound of and sticking them together. I get that, like that a lot, but not not entirely. No, so, sometimes, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely fuck around with words just for fun. But oh, everything you've mentioned is a is a real thing yeah. that I fancied because of that aesthetic of of its name. You know. You mentioned there that the only reason you changed the name is because it annoys the critics. Um, does that mean that you do actually read reviews of your albums sometimes? Um, it depends. People, I, I have like, everybody's got that dickhead friend if you make art that'll send you a bad review. So I've pretty much <laughs> culled those people from my life. But um, to, to be fair, I've never liked the name of our band. We've just had it for so long that it's stuck. So I'm just whittling it down to something that's more palatable for me. And I think we're finally there. Um, yeah, if I was going to change the name of the band completely away from OCs, I always liked the idea of, of uh fucking with it phonetically like so it still sounds the same but it's spelled differently also i mean who gives a fuck really it's such a i always loved it when people would ask me that in an interview and i'd be like you know and it was often preceded by i read in another interview that you said and i'm like well yeah then there you go you've already got my answer yeah you've got my answer yeah i mean there's no really good answer for it but i do i mean anything that would fuck with a critic is always makes me puts a little smile on my mm. face you know a little bit I like it when we get reviewed by somebody who essentially is a person who's stuck reviewing music that I loathe. I mean, I guess we're asking a lot of these people to both review a Rihanna record and our record. I mean, that's a, that's a very uh, wide expanse of terrain to, to overcome for a reviewer. If someone meets you and they say they don't, they don't know anything about you, they find out that you're a musician and they say, oh, what, is, you know, what do you sound like? Do you have any records that you say, oh, try this one first? Um, I get asked a lot, like, where's a good place to start? And that's a tough question because I know personally that we have so many fucking releases that can be really daunting. I, we had so many releases this year that even I couldn't keep up with everything for like in terms of putting out singles and shit, I had no idea. So I sort of just handed it over to my partner and he winged it all year because it was, it was just a mess. That being said, there are records that I feel stronger about. Um, you know, um, it depends though. It really depends on what you like. I mean, if, if somebody likes the live show, for instance, if they see a live show, I would probably recommend the record that was closest to the time that we were doing that live show because often we're doing newer material from those. So like, you know, Orc or... Uh, I don't know. It's a tough question, man. You know, there's no, there's no, we should do a greatest hits and just make it easy for everybody because I'm always looking forward to the next record. I never want to listen to my old shit at all. Like basically mm. after I've listened to mixes after mixes, after mixes and then masters and then a test pressing by the time the records are actually in my hands, like it happened this week with one where I was just like, ugh, like a slog to listen to it again. But you know, 
uh, I put it away and then like maybe 10 years later, I'll listen to it and be like, huh, it's a piece of shit or oh, it still stands <laughs> up, you know? So I, I, I find a lot of the times that people, a lot of people learn about a band by being recommended by a friend of theirs. So whatever your friend likes is probably what you're going to like too, you know? Yeah. You've been going for about 20 years now. The first album that I heard of yours was Warm Slime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back and listened to his stuff and it's sort of, if you go back from that point, it gets to my ears, it gets just softer and more sort of spacey. And then since then, that's almost like a midpoint because since then it's got heavier and harder and that kind of thing. There's been a, that... an incline of sound for sure. Yeah. We're so, finally capable. <laughs> <laughs> We've achieved liftoff, you know? So you think, is there something that you're going for? Is there like an end goal with this or are you just seeing whatever happens? No, I'm just whatever feels good. You know, I don't really have any plans for what's next. We haven't written anything new outside of all the shit we've got this year since because we haven't been rehearsing. So um, whatever strikes us at the moment, whatever works, you know, that's why our records are, even though I think everything we make sounds like us, technically, people will often say that it's fairly eclectic within side of each particular release that like we bend genre or, uh, you know, can be heavier and then less heavy to quiet even um really it's just a matter of what sounds good to my ear we orchestrate the record that way you know just put things together i've never really succumbed to the uh paradigm of how a record's supposed to be put together so that's why i own my own label so i don't have anybody telling me i'm doing it wrong you know what mm. I mean? you know you're very much self-sufficient and you put everything out yourself you're quite often you know rec- write and record the whole album yourself um put it out tour it all that kind of thing without label involvement i was wondering if there's been a time in your career where you, you're like you know what i just want to get a big name producer in so i can just hand that off to I mean, him i would enjoy it there's people I, there's a lot of bigger acts that i actually really like their music even contemporarily there's, there's even hip-hop acts that i really dig um but no really in fact if anything i always want to go the other way i would rather work with somebody somebody that nobody's ever heard of this is mm. You know, not so much now because he's finally starting to produce more stuff. But Enrique was like that. He was like this 23-year-old kid who I met on the internet who got me to come check out the studio he was working at in El Paso. And now we've done four records together. And he's phenomenal, you know. Um, I had this rule set for myself, sort of like a, like a blue law rule, that as you get older, you have to go at it harder and faster. So I always was planning on being like more aggressive the older I got and never succumbing to that sort of flaccidness that falls with these artists that stick around for too long. And then there's always the exception to the rule, like you see the Stooges play live or something and you're like, fuck, you know, like it's still got balls on it. But um, that's how, you know, I, I would always rather go more experimental or find somebody that uh, that's unknown and interesting to work with than to work with a big producer. I mean, I feel like a lot of the bands I know, no names, but uh, people I know that have gone on to work with somebody who's well known for being a producer there, it sounds like shit to me, you know, like uh, it becomes the work of that producer. I know some producers who really uh, clean things up and make them more accessible and flat and dull, you know, so I don't know. I just, I'm always impressed with bands that uh, do it themselves, you know, I don't know why. Have you ever been approached to be a producer for someone else? Yes. Um, I, I mean, I like the idea of it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that. And I wouldn't want to put anybody else through that as well. There's a reason that I have uh, people like Enrique 
and Eric Bauer that we work with and Ty Siegel on and off. Um, just because, I mean, I record a lot of stuff myself at home, but that being said with OCs, it's such a big production compared to some of these other like jazzy or improv projects or damage bug. Even when it's five people going full tilt all at the same time, live in a room, I don't want to be in control of the fucking machine as well as trying to perform well and having the red light go on. It's just too stressful. So, you know, having these people work with you is really beneficial. Um, mm -hmm. But I wouldn't want to do that for another band. You know, I, I don't think I have the patience. And I would, if I was going to do it, I would really have to love their music. Like, oh, okay. So here's somebody I admire is Mikey Young. He's a producer, uh, Australian. Uh, you know, he's from uh, Total Control and Eddie Current Suppression Ring. That guy's one of those rare, rare birds that is so calm. He's so different than me that I'm like a, a tightly wound pain in the ass. You know, it's not as, it wouldn't be easy. Whereas with him, I feel like you'd, you'd go there and you'd be like, it's a total pleasure and it sounds really good. And he's very raw, you yeah. know, he gets really good. Sound. So whenever, whenever I see his name as even a mastering person on a record, I'll usually buy the record. And I found a lot of great Aussie bands that way just oh, cool. because his fucking name on it. You know? When we booked in and agreed to do this interview, I went to Reddit. I've got a few questions here that, you know, I said, do you want, what do you want to ask John? Baby ZZ wants to know if your songs start from a riff, a sound, or is it more spur of the moment? Well, BBZZ, um, I mean, it could be all those things. It really, it changes from song to song. Sometimes a song, I can bring it into practice written. Other times we literally just jam and jam and jam for hours and pull out a bit or a piece and then hone in on that. You know, sometimes even words will be phonetically produced out of the ether and then molded into something proper. You know, it really just depends on the, the song specifically. Mr. Jack McGee wants to know when you're going to release a Can Covers album. That sounds like a fake name. Never. I would never. I actually just got an offer to do the Tag Omago 50th anniversary to cover a song off that. And I'm such a huge Can fan that I would never cover one of their songs. Their songs are perfect the way they are. And I feel like to me, a cover can be cool if you make it your own or different. And there's obviously a reason you're doing it in the first place because you love it. But they're like, they're like Bowie or something where it's like, one of the, uh, nobody wants to hear a fucking cover of a Bowie song. You just want to listen to Bowie doing it. And that, I feel very strongly that if I were to do a can cover, that it would be less than, and that would be a disservice and blaspheme against the band that I hold so precious. Pacifist Aggressive wants to know if you've got any tips for intermediate and beginner guitar players. Yeah, just play all the time. Play with other people. That's what I did. I took two lessons when I was a kid and I learned how to string the guitar because I'd strung it by myself. And it was a, like the guy that showed me how to play guitar was like a reggae, like a white reggae guitar player. Really nice older guy. He just, he, he saw that I'd strung the guitar really poorly and he was like, whoa, let's, let's redo this because it's going to explode in our face. And then he showed me how to play Back in Black by ACDC. And I basically took those four or five chords and made my entire life seeded out of that one moment where yeah. that got me going enough. And then I learned like some misfit songs, you know, shit like kid shit. But, um, you know, I just, the, the way I learned the most always was just to play, play, play with everybody. Improvising was a huge help. It's just going in with no idea what you're doing and just jamming. And if you find a good drummer, then even better because that's kind of important to learning how to play guitar. I feel like is having somebody who can hold it down and be interesting, you know? All right, final Reddit question. Mazes wants to know what your favorite sandwich is. Hmm. 
you know, I worked at a sandwich shop for so long. It was a sandwich shop in Providence, Rhode Island called Jeff's where you were supposed to be rude to the customer. And I was so good at it that I got fired because I could make <laughs> people cry. It's like, I do have a really horrible side of me when it comes to argumentative East Coastness. And because of that, for years, I was really turned off on the, the general idea of the sandwich. But lately, I've just been having a BLT from the local deli down the street. I'll go grocery shopping and just get a really simple BLT on rye. And it's a fucking good sandwich, you know, with like some chips. So that's, that's what I've been eating lately with mustard, <laughs> no mayo, mustard only. John, what would you like to offer up as your Who's Flying the Plane hidden gem? I mean, honestly, since this whole COVID lockdown scenario has started, I've been watching, I mean, I watch a ton of movies anyway. I watch movies and play guitar all day. You know, my life is a fucking cakewalk. Um, but I've been watching so many movies. My girlfriend won't even stay in the, in the house anymore. Like during the day, she's like, fuck off. I can't watch another movie. I'm going to kill myself. So I've... I've been really going down the hole of a lot of uh, old noir flicks. Um, also, like I, I think I watched every Dario Argento film, but these are things that everybody already knows and loves. Um, I've also been reading, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Laird Barron. He's like a sort of cosmic horror writer that is contemporary, but um, his short stories are fantastic. He, he's sort of like the same camp as like, H.P. Lovecraft meets like Stephen King, but something about his writing style reminds me of Cormac McCarthy, where it's like really visceral and, and quick paced and fast and easy to read. Could you pick a specific title I could link One, the book, to? The book of his that I really enjoyed was called, um, it was a, a collection of short stories. It was called The Beautiful Thing That Awaits Us All. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed that. Um, it actually, my girlfriend has been staying out in the desert on and off throughout this past couple months. And I was reading that at like 2 a.m. by myself in bed and it gave me the creeps. I'm a 46-year-old man and I actually got scared late in bed. I had to like <laughs> get up and do like a periphery walk around the house and be like, everything okay out here? But um, yeah, you know, um, I mean, a lot of, there's so much art to be soaked up right now. I've been listening to a lot of the Analog Africa releases lately, a fantastic label. Same thing with Astral Spirits, contemporary jazz label, putting out tons of great shit, you know. Um, if you gave me some time to really think it over, I could give you one specific thing. But lately, I've just been a sponge for anything that will keep my mind off the shit storm that's going on outside, you know. Thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me, John. You're very welcome. Um, could you let us know where we can see the OCs? Because I know you're going, you're going on tour again next year and where we can listen to your music and keep up to date with what you're doing. Um, usually Castleface will have a mail out with our tour dates. Right now we have a tour booked in the UK and Ireland in May. So the likelihood of that happening, since you guys have uh, case type number two right now and the fifth, the fifth wave, we're in the same boat in California. I have no idea, you know, but um, I'm planning on being there and I'll be the first one off the plane if that's the case. But um, our website is just theocs.com, uh, has our contemporary listed dates up that are announced. And we have some more releases coming next year, or I do personally, some interesting stuff. Um, I know we've flooded the market, but fuck it, you know, if you're stuck at home, 